Hello, book lovers. Welcome back to the Bookshelf of Lens podcast. Thank you so much for being here with me for another episode. Before we get started, I did want to go ahead and mention listener support is turned on. This is a small monthly donation of $0.99, cents, $4.99, cents, or $9.99. Cents. This goes towards podcast equipment upgrades as well as books, because books are content. <laughs> I also have a buy me a coffee linked in the description of every episode. Um, it's essentially the same thing as listener support except you pick your price and that goes towards books and equipment upgrades as well um again those are not again i didn't even say this yet (laughs) hello four hours of sleep coming in clutch um this is non-obligatory it's not required but it's super super appreciated um and today's episode is a book review and today's book review is about Daisy Jones and the Six by Taylor Jenkins Reid, who has easily become one of my favorite authors. <laughs> um, the first book I read by her was The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, and I read this book last year, and it was easily top three, like hands down. It was my first book that I read that was interview style. And what I liked about Seven Husbands was that you also got to look into the interviewer's life. Like, it wasn't just straight interview. You got to look into her life. And you also got to see Evelyn outside of the interview as well. Even though, like, the whole interview was about her life, you still got to see, like, her present day life. So, that was pretty cool, too. Um, And because of that, I knew that I would like Daisy Jones because it's also interview style. And this one is different than Evelyn Hugo in the sense that this is written like a true, true interview. It's almost written as like, which one is the one where it's someone else writes it? Is that autobiography? (laughs) How do I not know this? (laughs) It's written like autobiography or biography, whichever one is someone else writing uh, your story for you, like your life story for you whichever one of those that is that's how this is written and the top of every chapter like there's no chapter numbers or anything but you can obviously see like when a new chapter starts and the top of those have like a little like snippet of what like a snippet of significance is what i'm going to call it of what was going on with the band at the time that this part like this chunk of the interview was written and each section is split up by like big milestones from the band so that's really cool too it makes it feel more real and authentic and if you didn't know that this was a fictional band you wouldn't even be able to tell because it's written in a way that makes them seem so fucking real and i fucking love it (laughs) i love it so 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 much so i'm gonna go ahead and read you the synopsis of the book as i always do with my book reviews Daisy is a girl coming of age in LA. In the late 60s, sneaking into clubs on the Sunset Strip, sleeping with rock stars, and dreaming of singing at the Whiskey A Go Go. Her voice is getting noticed, and she has the kind of heedless beauty that makes people do crazy things. 
also getting noticed is The Six, a band led by the brooding Billy Dune. On the eve of their first tour, his girlfriend, Camilla, finds out she's pregnant, and with the pressure of impending fatherhood and fame, Billy goes a little wild on the road. Daisy and Billy cross paths when a producer realizes that the key to supercharged success is to put the two together. What happens next will become the stuff of legend. The making of that legend is chronicled in this riveting novel written as if it were the oral history of one of the biggest bands of the 70s. In Daisy Jones and the Six, Taylor Jenkins Reid brilliantly captures an unforgettable place and time in an utterly distinctive voice. Taylor Jenkins Reid is the author of Malibu Rising, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, and four more novels. She lives in Los Angeles with her husband, their daughter, and their dog. So, in the beginning, Billy Dune and his brother, Graham, decide they want to start a band. And they both have a guitar. They both, you know, can play instruments and Billy can sing. And so for a while, it's just them. And then they recruit their drummer, Warren. And they wind up doing like weddings and like playing at like small little bars, like little little gigs. And eventually they wind up playing a little bit bigger gigs and then they wind up becoming a full band with their guitarist which Graham is the lead guitarist but there's another guitarist at the time and their keyboardist Karen who goes by Karen Karen because when Graham asked what her last name was she thought he asked what her name was so she repeated her name and so that just kind of like became her thing was to be called Karen Karen which is actually pretty funny (laughs) um and Eddie is another guitarist I believe he's the bass and then there's Pete who is another guitarist they have like a lot of guitars um they did have one guitarist before and then he wound up being drafted and he wound up dying um during his service um, while on a mission, I believe they said. So Pete brought on his brother, Eddie. At first, Eddie seems cool, but he winds up being a complete dickwad, in my opinion. (laughs) Um, And Billy, Billy Doon, the lead singer, um, in the beginning, he's he seems super genuine like he talks about how his dad left when they were young and how he didn't want to wind up like that his dad was an alcoholic trigger warning this book mentions a lot of sex drugs and alcohol and i will be talking about addiction to both alcohol as well as substances and substance use so this is your warning. Don't listen to the rest of this review if you struggle with those things. Um, I will see you in my next episode, if that's the case. Please take care of yourself. Um, so, in the beginning, Billy is a very genuine person. He cares about the opinion of his brother. Um, he values his other bandmates. And Graham and Billy work really well together. 
and there was one part where Graham had said that he heard that brothers aren't supposed to work together because it can cause like rifts and tension and he said that that wasn't the case for him and Billy that they actually worked really really well together in the beginning um like that that took place in the beginning of the book and so they wind up you know with this this full band now and they wind up having the opportunity to play for a i think he's a manager but also works for a record i can't remember if they met the manager first or if they met with the record label man first one of the two happened first also, forgive me for saying I can't remember. I'm on four hours of sleep, and I finished this book at like three or four in the morning. Um, so if I can't remember, it's because I've been reading this book for like a few days now and haven't been sleeping. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyways, they, they wind up getting a deal. And they get to write this full album, and it does so well, and they go on tour. And as mentioned in the synopsis, right before they're about to leave, like, Billy is with Camilla, and he's getting ready to, like, go on tour. Like, in that moment, like, he's, like, saying goodbye and, like, about to go on tour. And Camilla says that she's pregnant. She's seven weeks at this point. And Billy is scared shitless. Like, he was not expecting it. Um, he... He was terrified. And so they're on tour. And there was a few instances before this, like, when they would do, like, their their smaller-ish shows, like, smaller than tours, obviously, um, where Billy would drink a fuck ton. And he wouldn't notice that he was struggling with it so Graham would have to cut him off um shout out to good brothers because <laughs> Graham really was a good brother like he cared about Billy so so much um and you kind of start to see that pattern where every time they were on tour Billy would just drink a fuck ton and then he would start adding substances into the mix or he would be on substances and then get shit faced with alcohol as well and you start to really see him struggle and it was really kind of sad to see because obviously nobody wants to see anybody struggle and especially because from his perspective he doesn't see that he has an issue at that moment and so it's just kind of like it's like a an empathetic feeling that you have where like you want to understand empathetic sympathetic sympathetic it's a sympathetic feeling sympathetic and empathetic because like you feel bad but you also like understand and so it gets worse the more that they're on tour and it gets to the point where also trigger warning this book does have a few subtle mentions of cheating as well as one on the page cheating little 
bit so that's that's a thing too um and he starts partying with girls and he would get he'd black out whether that's from the drugs or the alcohol or the mix and he'd wake up not alone and very confused as to what happened so i can kind of understand why he doesn't think that he has an issue because he doesn't remember what happened that doesn't excuse his behavior like cheating on his wife and you know all of that 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 doesn't excuse it but it kind of helps you understand um it doesn't it doesn't excuse it at all like that that's where i draw the line (laughs) is cheating um not not okay with it not for it nothing i want nothing to do with it um like the most fucked up thing you can do to someone and everyone in the band knows that as well which says a lot because the drummer and graham were kind of like they were girl crazy <laughs> like in the sense where like people like to say that girls are boy crazy when they're like first starting to like notice boys and such in that way and they're like oh i like this guy i like this guy and like they get called boy crazy that's how graham and warren were um but with girls they were they were very girl crazy and you know everyone in the band was essentially like just partying and hooking up with people and billy was the only one that had a girlfriend and so like the whole band like camilla was friends with karen the keyboardist like the band knew her they loved her billy worshipped the ground that she walked on every single song they sung was about her for the most part um whether it's like straight out like mentioned or like the band members can notice like it's always it's always about camilla he worshipped her and then you read that he's blacking out with girls and there was one moment where he they were on tour they were on the bus after a show and camilla said that she had this like feeling in her gut that she had to be with him and she wanted to surprise him and karen was trying to do everything like karen knew about it and karen and camilla were becoming like best friends um with each other and she was karen was really mad at billy that she was putting her that he was putting her in a spot where she either had to lie to camilla or rat his ass out like she did not want to be in the middle of it like that and so she was just trying to get camilla like no don't come like you know blah 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 and camilla was like no i'm coming and camilla was the type of person where you couldn't tell her no because if she wanted something she'd get it um like she she knew what she wanted and that's what she got and karen also said that like if you went to camilla for advice and you didn't take it she'd wind up being right about what would happen like her advice was always so on point to the point where like she knew what was gonna happen if you like didn't listen to her and she'd always be quick with the i told you so (laughs) once they're like least expecting that she'd be like i told you so um so she she was very well liked by by the band especially by karen who was becoming her best friend and she wound up actually coming to surprise him and she gets to the bus she walks on and she catches 
Millie with the girl on the bus who is performing a sexual act to him. Um, and Camilla, with no hesitation, who the fuck do you think you are? Do you not realize what you have? Pop off queen. Pop off. The absolute best, best thing to say. Like, do you not realize what you have? Like, yes. We we love the knowledge of self-worth. Um, and that really, like, that did something for Billy to the point where tour got canceled and he was put in rehab immediately. And he was in rehab when his daughter was born. He missed her birth. He did not want to get in the car. Actually, I don't know if it was when he was in rehab or if it was when he was about to be in rehab or he had just gotten out, but he was like so ashamed and scared. So he wasn't there for the first 60-ish days of his daughter's life. Um, like, wasn't there as in, like, he, he literally wasn't there. Um, I believe that was before he went to rehab. Or it was right when he got out. I can't remember. But he had, when he got out of rehab, he had a big, big cloud of shame. He was so ashamed of himself for what he did and how he acted and that he was about to welcome a like a baby into the world and like that's how he was um and it it really affected him to the point where he you know didn't meet his daughter until she was over 60 days old so he knew he fucked up and he knew he had to you know make a change for the better for his family and that's what he was striving to do and so he continued to only write songs about camilla and there was one song that he wrote that was about um like trying to convince himself that he could stay on this path because he was so worried that like at the drop of like a hat that he would go back to his old ways and he was constantly like struggling with the will this work out for me will this not work out for me like will we be okay will we not be okay like he was very very worried at this point about making sure that his life and his family would be okay and so he's putting a lot of pressure on himself to stay sober and to be like continue on his path of bettering himself and he succeeded he was he was doing great like when the band would go out and party after shows he'd be in his hotel room or at a restaurant getting didn't like at in the it was in the hotel getting dinner or like out at a restaurant getting dinner and like reading the paper, drinking coffee, and then going to sleep. Um, instead of hanging out with the band and putting himself in those situations where he could mess with his sobriety, he chose to just completely remove himself from any type of situation that could hinder um, his sobriety. And that was that was really admirable to read. Um, like seeing that change in him go from like I don't give a shit to I give a really like. I give a good amount of shit. <laughs> I don't know why the fuck I worded it that way. Um, but it was really, it was really like nice to see that he 
he did want to change. And Graham was obsessed with Karen, the keyboardist. And she was not interested. Um, not at all interested. <laughs> so he was continuing, you know, to be girl crazy. But he was like pining for Karen. Like he only wanted Karen, but because she didn't want him, he was like, I'm gonna go get it somewhere else. Um, but he he was literally like falling in love with Karen. Um and Warren was the drummer and he was like super chill he only cared about girls and drugs and playing the drums so he was super chill um anytime there would be a mention of something that like happened he would just say that he remembered it or he didn't and that all he cared about was getting high and like smoking joints and shit in the parking lot of the studio once they um once they brought daisy jones in so he was pretty chill. Pete and Eddie were guitarists. Um, Graham was the lead guitarist. Pete and Eddie were, I think one of them was a bass guitarist. I don't know. I There's so many different types of guitar that uh, were in this band, like three different guitarists. Like Graham was lead. One of them was bass and one of them was something else. <laughs> so I don't really remember. I. I could flip through the book and see if I can find it. Um, there was some instances where um, Billy started taking control over everything that was happening with like albums and such. And that was that was not okay um because obviously it was causing issues with the band as it should um trying to see if i can find out who teddy was but i don't know when he gets mentioned okay this is the beginning <laughs> um so while I'm looking for that, Daisy was a party girl from the time she was like 13 because she didn't really have like a relationship with her parents. Like they were there, but they didn't care about her. Or at least that's how it was, that's how it felt to her. So. That was kind of hard to read about because you can only imagine like she's 13 and she's trying to get like approval from her parents and have that like relationship with them and they don't care they don't want anything to do with it and then she starts her partying phase she starts dating much 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 older guys she gets taken advantage of in multiple ways because Daisy was a knockout from day one. Um, and everybody was drawn to her because of her physical appearance. And once, like, you start to, like, really talk to her more, like, towards, like, the 
not really the middle, but almost the middle of the book, you kind of start to see more of how that affected her. Um, and she starts to want to be better than that and want to overcome that and not feel that way. Um, but she has been addicted to substances since her part, like since her party phase started, basically. Um, and when she did join the band, that was really hard for Billy because he was still struggling with his sobriety and he saw someone that was worse off than he was and didn't want to get help and wouldn't take the help. So that was kind of really hard for him to witness and be around. And because Daisy was becoming like a co-lead singer, I guess you could say, um, they had to write the album together because Daisy wanted to be a songwriter and her best friend Simone was also like in the industry and she was becoming more successful with her music and she she loved Daisy like her and Daisy were besties like borderline sisters um and she saw Daisy struggling and tried to help her but like you can't help someone that doesn't want to be helped and that goes for any situation so that was really hard for her um like for Simone because she wanted to help Daisy but Daisy didn't want to be helped so it was it was hard for her um but she you know she still supported her and before they got big um the six were playing at a show in New York and they're playing in a bar and Rod Reyes who winds up becoming their manager um sees them and winds up talking to them after their show and you know agrees or says that he's their manager um and they just you know kind of got big from there and Teddy was a producer for Runner Records so I did get that right <laughs> go me um And then after they got the, um, after they got the record contract, he called, like, he calls Camilla because he was struggling with, um, like, his, they had broke, or they were, like, kind of, like, rocky-ish, and he calls her just to talk to her, and he winds up saying, um, if I had a record contract, would you marry me? And... He kept repeating it and um she was like did you get a record contract yes or no and he said will you marry me yes or no and <laughs> she says yes he says yes and they get married and then um daisy wants to be like her own like singer songwriter but her her manager doesn't think that she is ready for that yet and so that's when she kind of gets put with um the six and they become daisy jones and the six and it's more so for getting the six popular but also because daisy 
is talented like she has a natural talent where people like take years to learn how to sing like her she just does it naturally like while doing laundry or you know in the car like she just naturally has that talent um and so she becomes co-lead singer of six and at first it's kind of rocky because of how billy is he doesn't want anybody's help at this point this is where he starts to change is when the band is big um and he he was super opposed to having daisy join but because he wanted to be famous he was okay with it because his management was like this is the only way so because of that he was okay with it um and daisy wanted to have some of her songs on the album you know like she's she's supposed to be co-writing this thing she wants her music out there and at first it's like no we're not doing it no and she accidentally takes one of i think i'm saying this the wrong way like i think this is a different part but she, at one point she winds up accidentally taking one of billy's songs that he wrote like into her her journal with all of her songs and she pulls it out and she's like reading it over and she immediately gets inspired and starts changing it and the next day she shows billy and that's kind of how they wrote one of their albums was realizing that like one person had something the other person needed in their songs and they were able to like mesh that together and create like a whole story with their albums Once they got over their little tiff, they were perfectly fine. Um, but it did take a while. It took a lot of them taking breaks, um, or having to take breaks because they were just going at each other's throats, basically. And a lot of them trying to put those feelings aside to have success with their albums. Um, and it did kind of work out for them because they wound up having success with their albums. And eventually, Billy and Daisy wound up having a moment and almost kissed. And Billy couldn't be around her really. Aside from that, he couldn't be around her because, you know, she was constantly doing drugs and that was essentially a trigger for him um it was a risk to his sobriety a risk to the promise he made his family and he didn't want to jeopardize any of that so he just kind of didn't really want to be alone with daisy and daisy took that like super personal she she was um in love with billy from like day one and she didn't understand at first why he didn't want to be around her um because she could tell that he felt the same way um about her even though he wouldn't admit it to himself or her 
And she didn't realize that the bigger issue was he was struggling with his sobriety and didn't want to have that risk of the hat dropping and him fucking it up. And there was one point after Billy and Camilla's twins were born where they were singing on stage. This was like when Daisy's addiction was at like its worst. This was like towards the end of the book, like right at the end, not really, but like a few, a few pages before the end. Um, they were singing on stage together, Daisy and Billy, and they had like, obviously they had wild chemistry, wild attraction. And Camilla says she always knew it, but she had so much hope and faith in her husband that he wouldn't do anything to like fuck up their family or their marriage that, um, it didn't really Like, she didn't let it bother her too, too, too much. But she said that this... This one performance that she saw, because she was backstage with their oldest daughter, um, this one performance cracked her heart. And... This was the night where Camilla told Daisy to leave the band. And this was also the night that Billy said he wanted to take a break for a few months because at the bar, he ordered tequila and he drank it. Not all of it, but a good bit of it. And the guy next to him wound up stopping him and got him to put the glass down by asking about his kids and talking to him about his kids. And so Billy said he needed time, like he needed a break from touring because obviously that messed with his sobriety. And once he said that, um, Pete and Eddie wound up leaving and the band kind of just fell apart. And Daisy wasn't there, but they found a note saying that she was leaving. Um... And I think that happened first, actually, before Billy said he needed a break. And so their manager, Rod, was like, well, I can't, I can't have a tour without, you know, either Billy or Daisy. So they had to cancel the tour and then the band wound up falling apart. And then at the end, like when they're talking about kind of where they are now, Everybody wound up doing different things. The only person that kind of stayed in music was Eddie. He became a producer. Um, And Billy, it was a songwriter for pop artists. And Camilla wound up passing and left an email to her kids saying that when she does pass to obviously, you know, give Billy some time because he needs to grieve and then give Billy Daisy's number. And then I think Daisy and Billy wound up together. Like, they don't explicitly say it at the end, but I'm, I, th- I think they wind up together. Um, but this book was... It was really good. And, I mean, I didn't really do, like, the 
little summary of the story and injustice because i'm pretty sure i said the wrong things happened at the wrong parts because i can't really remember um which instance happened where but i also didn't want to go like super in depth with spoilers or anything because you know i know people probably want to read it if they haven't already um but i do quickly want to go through some of my favorite quotes there's i believe there's like eight because there's a few on the same page so i'm gonna do that really quick the first quote that stood out to me was on page 55 and it's from you know daisy and she said So I was thinking Teddy might say, you know, taking a girl home from a bar or speeding with the top down or something like that. Something fun, maybe, and a little dangerous. But he just said, it's ineffable. If I could define it, I wouldn't have any use for it. I really liked that quote. And the next one is on page 177. And this is from Karen. And she said... I'd believe your soulmate was somebody who had all the things you didn't, that needed all the things you had, not somebody who's suffering from the same stuff you are. And I liked that one a lot, because it makes sense, you know? And then on page 199, it's a quote from Daisy, and it's talking about this, um, song that she was writing with Billy called Young Stars and Daisy says that song ended up cutting so close to the heart in a lot of ways maybe too close I believe you can break me but I'm saved for the one who saved me and um that I believe you can break me but I'm saved for the one who saved me was lyrics that they wrote for that song and I really liked that quote the next one is also from Daisy, and it's talking about um, her being, like her, like, her thoughts on being an artist. And she says, it's very vulnerable being an artist, telling the truth like that, like we're doing now. When you're living your life, you're so inside your head, you're swirling around in your own pain. But it's hard to see how obvious it is to the people around you. These songs I was writing felt coded and secret, but I suspect they weren't coded in secret at all. The next one was on page 201. It's also from Daisy. And she says, everybody wants somebody to hold up the mirror because she's saying how Billy actually knew her and could see her for who she was, not who he thought she was, but for who she really was. And he, he, when she showed him the song that she wrote, she she felt really seen and validated um by billy the next one is on 202 and um it's billy talking about the song this could get ugly that was daisy's idea and he says i wouldn't have come up with something like that which is what we all want from art isn't it when someone pins down something that feels like it lives inside us, takes a piece of your heart out and shows it to you. It's like they're introducing a piece of your heart. Or it's like they're introducing you to a part of yourself. 
And that's what Daisy did with that song, at least for me. So, I thought that was really nice. And then on page 213, um, Daisy's again talking about, uh, like, the art that comes with music and any, like, art in general. And there was two quotes from this, uh, paragraph and the first one is art doesn't owe anything to anyone and the second is self-expression is about what it feels to live not whether you had the right to claim any emotion at any time i really really liked that one and then on 214 um this is a quote from billy it's two that stood out to me from his from one of his paragraphs and he says, when you really love someone, sometimes the thing they need may hurt you, and some people are worth hurting for. And then it continues on for a bit and says, you have to be with someone that deserves your faith, and you have to be deserving of someone else's. And I really liked that one too. And this next one on page 217 is a quote from Graham. And he says, women always seem to get back up women are always still standing and i loved both of those little quotes um the next one is on page 224 and it's from karen karen was very much um she very much wanted to be seen for her musical talent not for her body whereas daisy didn't care if you saw her for her body because she knew she had the talent and you knew she had the talent so for her it was just kind of a i'm gonna still do what i want and for karen it was a see me for my music and she says if we want to be taken seriously as musicians why are we using our bodies because on one of their album covers um it was featuring billy and daisy's torsos and daisy was wearing a very thin shirt wasn't wearing a bra and obviously like you know that was on the album cover and Karen was kind of, like, offended by it, kind of. Um, and that's when she said that. And, yeah. And then the last one is probably my favorite quote from this whole book. And it's about friendship. And it's a quote from Camilla. And she says, you show up for your friends on their hardest days and you hold their hand through the roughest parts. Yes. All of the fucking yes. Get you friends that will do that because there's nothing greater. Nothing greater. But that is all I have to say about this book while keeping it spoiler-free. Um, like I said, I probably did a really shitty job of keeping everything in order but I tried. <laughs> um, again, listener support is turned on. It's a small monthly donation of $0.99, cents, $4.99, or $9.99. It's not obligated. It's not obligated. It's not required, but it's super appreciated. It goes towards upgrading podcast equipment as well as buying books because books are content. I also have a buy me a coffee. My buy me a coffee link is always in the description. Um, 
it's kind of the same thing as listener support except it's not monthly it's not like a reoccurring payment and you get to pick the amount um so i think i have mine set in increments of five and i think you can also select your own that's linked in every um episode and as listener support also um the buy me a coffee donations are put toward like will be put towards um upgrading equipment as well as buying books thank you guys so 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 much for listening to another episode with me um and i will see you guys next time bye